you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. We're coming again today with another great episode of Live on Purpose to help to give you the tools and the resources and the principles and all the great stuff that you're going to need in order to take control of your life and to move forward, create, and live the life that you love. That's what we're all about here at Live on Purpose. And I want to introduce my guest. We'll get started right off today. I've got in studio with me a returning guest, Creation Tree Coach, Darren Johansson, who I think you refer to yourself as a legacy coach, don't you, Darren? Yep, I am, Paul, and I'm excited to be back here today in studio and having some fun with you, creating light and living on purpose. Well, welcome back. It's always great to have you in studio. And I also want to welcome our guest, Sean Warinsky. Sean is a funeral director and embalmer. And uh, he is associated with with Warensky Funeral Home, which is in American Fork, Utah. And he is also a member of the Utah Funeral Directors Association and the National Funeral Directors Association. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate being here. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Now, some of you might be listening and wondering, okay, why does Dr. Paul have a funeral director on board for Live On Purpose today? And there's a lot of reasons why I do. Now, I've been planning and anticipating this show for a while. And some of you know, if you've been listening for a while, and if you remember some of the shows that I did back on uh, the Producer Revolution Radio Network, that I like to take on topics that are highly relevant to life. And Darren, you and I were talking a little bit before this show, and you shared a quote with me. Would you mind sharing that quote with our listeners? And that will introduce our topic. I'd be happy to, Paul. The quote goes like this, Death is more universal than life. All men die, but not all men live. I love that. It's a great quote. You know, and and it's so true, because I've, I've had opportunities, in fact, more opportunities than usual lately, to attend funerals. Now, Sean, you go to funerals all the time, right? Most every day. Pretty much every day. Yes, sir. Because that's your business. That's what you do. And I have attended a lot of funerals of people in my neighborhood who have passed away. I, I live in a part of of town that's aging. And uh, a lot of these people moved in right after. If if any of you know uh, anything about Orem, Utah, that's where I live. It started out as a homesteading community where people would come up to the Orem bench and they would set up a, a fruit orchard, typically, peaches, pears apples, things like that. And uh, as as the orchard started to move out, people would come in and, and build homes and move into them. A lot of the people who did that live in my neighborhood. I'm right there in the old orchards. And the people who originally built, built these homes have lived in them for 40, 50 years. 
are uh, are aging, and so I've lost a lot of neighbors uh, recently as they've gotten older and died. And as I attend funerals, I've had, and because I'm a psychologist, a lot of times people will approach me and ask me, you know, how am I going to deal with this? What am I going to do? You know, and and death is so universal that every single one of us gets to deal with it. And I've sometimes shared with people, well, nobody's getting out of this alive. So you better get used to thinking about death. But this scares the bejeebies out of a lot of folks, you know? Is bejeebies a real term? Can I say that? It's a clinical term. It It is, isn't it? It's in the, it's in the manual. And uh, so, Sean, I gave you a call, what, a couple of months ago? Yes. And uh, talked about having you come on as a guest on this show because this is your business. Dealing with death is your business. Now, it, it is what I do, yes. <laughs> it is what you do, but you know what? I I really appreciate what my father taught me about this when I was when I was very young and we were going to a funeral of uh I don't know if it was a great aunt or a great uncle. It was someone I was not very close to and I was a little a little weirded out by it. You know, I wasn't quite sure what to think. And he said, well, you know, funerals are for the living, not for the dead. Says, Do you agree with that, Sean? What does that mean to you? As a funeral director, um, most everything I do deals with the living. I think most people, when you say funeral director, think we care for the dead. Ultimately, um, it's caring for the living, those who are left mm-hmm. behind, making arrangements, uh, caring for their needs. Mm-hmm. They come to me because they do not know what to do. And so mm-hmm. I can give them some instructions and help them on the path uh, in the process of creating a funeral mm-hmm. and creating those memories so they can be broadcast to those in attendance to services. Mm-hmm. This idea that funerals are for the living, I'm not completely sure because I haven't interviewed any dead people. Okay. But I'm kind of guessing that they don't care too much about what's happening. Now, they might, you know. It, it depends on what you believe about where people go after they die or what, what your particular beliefs are about that. But the living, it's those who are left behind who really care, who care a lot, and it matters a lot to them. And so so in your line of work, Sean, you're you're taking people at a very crucial point in their life where they don't know what to do, and then you add all of the structure to that that helps them to transition. Paul, you made a a comment that I I think is very valid in that once the death occurs, that person probably really doesn't care concerning the nature of, of what is done with the body. But before the death occurs, they probably do have a, a concern, whether they're mm-hmm. to be buried or cremated or the direction that they would like their family to give to the funeral director. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's important. Um, there's a lot of trust involved in caring for a, a dead human body. Uh, I look at this in the perspective of when the family comes to me, they have a genuine value and concern for the deceased. Mm-hmm. That body right. holds value. Um, mm-hmm. and in the custodial care that I give to that individual by having them at my funeral home or any funeral home throughout the world or the nation, um, there is a, a certain amount of care that needs to be given, first and foremost, to the deceased. The next is we 
bring the family to the funeral home, and we begin to make funeral arrangements, and that's where we begin to structure. We begin to illustrate the funeral service as it's about to happen, and mm-hmm. we receive instruction from the family, and then we act upon it in the mm-hmm. hopes that the funeral service will come together on the day that they've set aside and planned according to their wishes and according to the wishes of the deceased. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't always make their wishes known, but this is another thing that, uh, well, here we go. Okay. Death is one of the highest fears that people have. And it's not always their own death. Usually they fear the death of a loved one more than they fear their own death. Have you found that to be true, Darren? It's absolutely true, Paul. Most people are incredibly concerned about not just their own death, but you know, what if my spouse dies? What if my father dies? What if my child dies? That's one of the things that I've dealt with is seeing people come in and, and they say, you know, my children aren't meant to die before their Mm-hmm. mother or father and I, I think one of the things that's so important about this is that the people who have lived long enough if I can say that they do have some idea about what they would like to have happen and it's very interesting to me that most of the time they haven't ever said anything they haven't taken that step which reduces a lot of this fear or angst about death and dying but what do I do when that happens? Mm-hmm. You know, listening to Darren, uh, the perspective is people, I don't think they, they fear the death itself. They mm-hmm. fear the uncertainty of what is to happen after the death. That uncertainty creates such anxiety in some of their hearts. That they have a hard time dealing with the emotional side of it, the technical side of it, mm-hmm. the spiritual side of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of different avenues that are played out when a a family is brought to the funeral home. And Mm -hmm. it's all because they know of the responsibilities that are required or what the person has asked or requested or what even their traditions have said Mm -hmm. needs to happen. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how it's to act out. Mm -hmm. And so when they come into the funeral home, it can be a pleasant experience. The director can sit down with them and he can ask them questions he can give them directions, and then he can work upon that to mm-hmm. create a service that's very fitting for that person and mm-hmm. memorializes them as the family would wish. That's right. You know, uh, Darren, as you were talking and you said, you know, the, the fear is often grounded in, well, what if or how am I going? And, and Sean, you pointed out, after the death, what's going to happen? How am I going to deal with life? What am I going to do? And these are questions that are very common. And that the point I wanted to make here is that it's not going to kill you to think about or talk about death. And in fact, if we can take this on and just face it, it's going to happen. You know, Darren, you used to sell life insurance. I think you still do occasionally, don't you? Yep. And uh, I've I've heard people say before, "Well, I'm buying life insurance in case I in case I die." And I'm thinking, "What do you mean in case of it?" It's going to happen. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. It happens to everyone. Death is no respecter of people. That's true. And you you probably see this more than anybody, Sean, as you get people into your funeral home. They're of all ages, aren't they? They are, most definitely. And 
in any socioeconomic class. Uh, poor people, rich people, they all die. They do. Every they single do. one of them. And it, and it will happen to all of us. So what I'm hoping to accomplish today, and you guys are here to help me, okay? What I'm hoping to accomplish today is to reduce people's level of fear about talking about or thinking about death. Because it's going to happen, and you can do a lot toward your own psychological health and fitness by allowing yourself to ask some important questions and then start to answer them. And this is where your input is so valuable, Sean, because most people are thinking, well, what would I do? Well, you know what to do. Are you ever stumped as to what to do next when someone dies? Don't think I'm ever stumped. I think it's a, a challenge put before me, and we move on and resolve it. And you just undertake the challenge. That's right, we do. <laughs> a little word play there. We're going to be right back after this commercial break, and we're going to take on a few important questions that I want you to consider and answer. When you cry, be sure to dry your eyes. Because better days are sure to come. You've heard that our purpose is to help you create and live the life you love. This is Summer Morris from Creation Tree Coaching. I'm putting together some powerful events that you won't want to miss. What if you could understand the woman's brain? I haven't decided if this is more important for the women or for the men. I am hosting an exploration of the female brain on Thursday, November 15th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Come and explore with me what makes men and women so different. Another opportunity is especially designed for anyone whose life has been touched by infertility. I'll be presenting an introduction on enjoying and living a full life together while dealing with the many areas of life affected by it. This event will be on Thursday, November 29th from 7 to 8 p.m. Both events will be held at the Residence Inn by Marriott in Sandy. Check out these and other exciting opportunities at creationtreecoaching.com or send me an email to learn more at summer at creationtreecoaching.com. With all of the rumors and fears surrounding the topic of PPMs, Breakon Advisors has decided to host a Saturday seminar titled Holding Fun in PPM Creation and Management. This powerful one-day seminar will be packed with real-time updated information from two different attorneys that specialize in securities. Will Rogers and Brian Ferris will delve into the complex securities laws surrounding private placement memorandums and registered investment advisors, and they will instruct attendees about the proper methods for creating, structuring, and managing the PPM as a private fundraising entity. Of course, Carrie and Chad will be there also to provide their own practical information and advice. So come and join us on Saturday, December 15th to get your questions answered and to learn how PPMs can run into problems and learn how to avoid them. For more information, visit GodIndependence.com or call Corey at 801-961-1382. Welcome back, everybody. I was almost ready to say, Darren, that if you're just joining us, but this is a podcast. You downloaded this thing on purpose, so you've already been listening. So you know that I have in studio with me here today Darren Johansson, Creation Tree Coach, Legacy Coach, Family Coach, and Sean Warensky, who is a funeral director uh, 
And has, you know, Sean, we were talking a little during the break and before the show that uh, you're not sure what to say about like some of the psychological aspects of death and how people deal with that and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, well, don't worry about that. I got that covered. <laughs> you're here to add a unique piece and you've got some knowledge and some insights that I think would be informative and helpful to some of our listeners. And before we get to a couple of questions, I want to... Um, to acknowledge something that you brought to my attention just yesterday when we were talking before the show and you mentioned a documentary and I don't know how many documentaries have been done about the process of death and dying and and the industry of of the funeral director or the undertaker which is I've thought a little bit more about that word <laughs> since you and I have chatted because um to me, that always sounded like the old word, you know. But to talk to you, I see this as a huge undertaking, you know. If you look at it as a task or a project or a job, to to go through all of the stuff that is involved when someone dies. And it could be everything from taking care of public health concerns because we are in fact dealing with a person who has died and uh, in in times when when they didn't have as good a methods as we have now sometimes diseases would spread things like that you're thinking about all that stuff aren't you I am every, uh, every day the, yes. the casket the arrangements what about the legal arrangements what about you know what do you tell people about how to proceed with planning a funeral with uh, with uh, getting a burial spot, all kinds of stuff, right? Sounds like there's a lot of technical side to this. It's a huge <laughs> undertaking. And, yeah. and in fact, this, um, this documentary is on PBS. And I want to give our listeners a heads up to this. And I was comfortable doing this after you shared with me that this is something that's been, I don't know if, it, if endorsed is the right word, but at least acknowledged by the National Funeral Directors Association who and and you viewed this documentary and you feel like it's a tasteful treatment of an industry that's not as well known in the public eye. Everybody interfaces with it. I think you said exactly what I feel. Yes, uh, this documentary it, it give a good perspective as to my job, my occupation, um, the individuals that were portrayed in the, mm -hmm. the documentary were actual licensed funeral directors and embalmers in an, uh, another state in the east. Michigan, as I recall. That is correct, mm -hmm. yes. And uh, I think it showed a good overall view of what the funeral entails from even before the death occurs, through counseling and through pre-planning, mm -hmm. when the death occurred, the funeralization, and ultimately the burial or committal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this uh, we haven't even given the name yet. It's it's a PBS documentary. You can access this show by going to pbs.org. That's the website, pbs.org, and that stands for Public Broadcasting System. And the name of the show is The Undertaking. The Undertaking. And it's a frontline presentation. So when you go to the website, there's an option to go and, and view the frontline page or section or whatever it is and then the show is called The Undertaking and it uh I believe it was released on 
on the 30th of October. So it's just a very recent release. Within weeks, yes. And uh, I've I've seen about half of it so far. I haven't had time to see the whole thing since we since we talked yesterday. But that was my take on it too. That this is a this is a tasteful way to to start thinking about or or at least considering some of these questions that come up. And I want to throw a few at you, Sean, since we've got you here. Sure. We've got you cornered there behind the <laughs> microphone. Why do we have funerals? Can you talk about that a little bit? I can. I can. Funerals are, are primarily for the living. Uh, when the phone, Typically, when the phone rings, I have a family who has experienced a death. They need direction. They know what they're after. Um, I will go where the individual has passed away, bring them back to the funeral home. There's a certain amount of care that is given to that individual. And then I sit down and I meet with the family. One of the most important responsibilities that is involved in my occupation. And uh, we start to learn about this person. We learn about mm-hmm. their life. Mm-hmm. We learn about their illness. We learn about mm-hmm. their military service, if possible. We learn about their likes and their dislikes. This person begins to take on a life, even though I didn't know them in life. Mm-hmm. In the upcoming days, we begin to plan for a funeral service. Why do we do that? The mm-hmm. funeral service itself is a public outpouring of love and support that can be given to that family at a time. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it acknowledges that that individual has died. Let's say, for instance, that an individual should pass and there is no services rendered, no care mm-hmm. is offered, mm-hmm. and we knew this person. He was a, a working associate of ours. Mm-hmm. If no service, no viewing is given, and he has been ailing for a, a, maybe a short time, we don't see him. We don't acknowledge the passing through the visual aspect of our eyes. So to us, mm-hmm. our mind has to stop and generate this and say, did this person really die? Mm-hmm. So when we can visually come to the funeral home, see this person laying in repose, and acknowledge that he is no longer alive, it gives our minds the opportunity to understand and comprehend the death as it has happened. This Mm -hmm. is exactly why we have funeral services. Mm -hmm. They are for the living. That's right. And I think this is an important part of resolving, and, and resolving isn't exactly the right word here. I was going to say resolving the death in our own mind and in our own life. Uh, but Maybe, really, it's more of an integration. It's I might even suggest acknowledging the death. Mm-hmm. We come to understand more about death. We come to understand why that person died as we visually see. Mm-hmm. And that's the evidence to our senses that something has changed. And, you know, this is a very strong spiritual experience for a lot of people. And I've heard all kinds of comments as we're having a visitation, for example, or a viewing, uh, where people say, well, that's the body, that's the shell, but they're not there anymore. And it's it, it can be a strong spiritual experience to some people, too, to acknowledge that there's a part of you that is no longer present once the death occurs. That that's the body that you're viewing. And and it's an interesting way to start really thinking about what it is you believe about life. 
about people? What is it that, uh, what is it about you that, that's making a connection there as you view and acknowledge the death? I like that word, acknowledge. I also thought as you were saying that, Sean, that you're not only acknowledging the death, but you're acknowledging the life. Well, and I, I think in some respects, you're extending a value to that life. When an individual mm-hmm. is alive, we hold them in such dear regard, and mm-hmm. we feel strong about the tender kindnesses that they extend to us, whether it be by handshake, by hug, or kiss. Mm-hmm. Upon death, that no longer will happen, and we know that. Mm-hmm. But through the process of a viewing and ultimately a celebration of life or funeral service, we extend the value beyond the death. It gives us a full Mm -hmm. circle or full measure of comprehension to that person's Mm -hmm. life. There are many times, I, in my own family, I've had funeral experiences where I didn't know that that person was such an astounding writer or Mm -hmm. that they'd done something so overwhelming in life and never was acknowledged for it while they were alive or chose not to be acknowledged for it. So Mm -hmm. it's a acceptance of that person's life as it's put before a group of people who loved them and who supported them. Mm-hmm. That's right. A celebration of that life. An acknowledgement, a celebration. And and if it's for the living, then what are we going to do with these relationships? Once someone dies, does that does that mean that we no longer have have any way that that person's influencing us or or carrying on? Darren, you're a legacy coach. That's an interesting word that you've chosen. People leave their legacy behind. They don't take that with them when they die, hopefully, <laughs> right? Do you want to comment about just this part of the discussion we've been having? I'd love to. One of the things that's very interesting to me, and as you mentioned, Paul, I have, I'm a licensed insurance agent, and I help people plan for this type of thing. And one of the questions that I ask people is, when you're not here, what is it that you want to happen? Why is it important to you to plan financially? Why is it important for you to make the arrangements, uh, whatever those might be and whatever that means to an individual? I chose the term legacy coach because I think it means a lot of things, and a lot of people say, oh, what is a legacy coach? One of the things that in my experience of dealing with death and funerals, and I'm sure that you also see this in your business, is that people kind of sum up your life or the life of the individual who's passed away in a sentence or two. And so as a legacy coach, I tell people what they need to do is decide what that sentence is and then create that life, love it, live it, and leave it. And that's what a legacy coach does. And so many times people never stop and think about what they would like to be remembered for or what their life stands for. And I think that's so important. And the other aspect of the legacy coaches is the actual legacy, making the plans, taking the time to sit down and say, you know, when I pass away, I would like to have this and this and this happen. And that can be very, very specific. I've had some clients that, you know, they go right down to, you know, I'd like this person to, give my eulogy and I'd like this person to talk about this and it's just kind of an interesting concept but one of the ways we can alleviate some of the stress is to make the plan and be ready as much as we can 
I think that was well said, Darren. Thank you. Let's come back to this discussion after this next break. We've got a number of other things that we're still going to be talking about. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Many women think their purses are clean if they are kept off floors. But a recent University of Arizona study showed that 30% of purses and handbags are coated with tens of thousands of bacteria. A second Salt Lake Tribune study found that some purses were dirtier than the average toilet often serving as a carrier for salmonella picked up off countertops. Odilla Cytamine, company founder and CEO of Pretty Practical Productions, created a stylish purse hook after worrying repeatedly about where to place her purses in crowded restaurants and public bathrooms. The purse hook is a portable hanger designed so that women no longer have to worry about tracking bacteria, viruses, and germs that cause skin infections from the outside into their home. Odilla is quoted saying, Prince's portable hangers solve the problem of where to hang your handbag when there's no hook on the bathroom stall or your purse won't stay on the back of your restaurant chair. Now, no woman ever has to place her purse out of sight or arm's reach because Prince's can be adjusted to hang from various surface sizes and it uses weight and gravity enabling it to hang from virtually any surface. The Prince's Portable Purse Hanger is a great idea that solves a common problem. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea Wouldn't you like to know This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for the Live On Purpose podcast. Please visit my website, drpaul.org. There you can subscribe to my weekly e-zine, Empower. Browse the events page to get connected with what's coming up or pick up some CDs or other great products. I also want to point you toward our sponsors, creationtreecoaching.com and producerretreats.com. Darren, you set up some some great stuff in that last segment, talking about legacy and and during the commercial break we were having a little chat about remembering and how important that is. You know, I I think one of the things that gets people all upset about death is the fear that they have, the the fear of loss specifically. But there's so much in our relationships that you don't lose if you'll hang on to it in terms of a memory. Now, we all get old. We all die. We get sick. We die. Uh, death happens, and it happens to everyone. And as you said earlier, Sean, it's no respecter of persons. It's going to take old people, young people, sick people, healthy people, rich people, poor people. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking of an Oscar Mayer commercial about... 
<laughs> fat kids, skinny kids, kids who climb on drugs. We won't go there. But it, it, it really does affect everyone. The relationships that we have now are the things that we're going to be remembering later on. And, and none, of, none of us have a permanent relationship. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. In terms of right now for where we are in this mortal earth life, everything is temporary by design. So whatever we carry beyond that, and, and when someone in your life dies or passes on, how can you remember the things that are the most important to you? And one of the quotes that I really love, and you hear this at a lot of funerals too, the only way to take the sorrow out of death is to take the love out of life. And because of the fear that some people have about how they're going to feel, when they lose someone, when someone dies, they sometimes avoid some of the loving. They keep a little more distance because then it's not going to hurt so much. Have you guys seen that too? Sean, you were nodding a little bit. I have. You, you can I relate have. to that. Yes. Aaron? You know, one of the things I've seen, Paul, is that those people who keep that distance don't have the opportunity. Well, they have the opportunity, but they don't celebrate that life they don't celebrate those experiences and you know for me and you know maybe some people wonder why i have this disconnect if if that's what you want to call it but for me those times um and and i've i've been to lots of different funerals young people old people what what some people would call tragic deaths what other people would call the perfect way you know he died in his sleep um and to me, it's such a celebration of who that person was, of what they stood for, of the life that they led, and the lives that they touched. And I'm thinking specifically of, of one client that I've had the opportunity, the the great privilege of coaching, who was very close to um, someone who was very, very young, that died in a way that most people would think is very tragic. And as we've talked, we have spent hours talking about, you know, this little person and the way that they touched my client's life, but also the way they touched other people's lives. And to me, there's so much living in in the, shoe, in the short few years that this um, little child was alive. And when we distance ourselves or when we choose not to love fully or to, you know, embrace that relationship fully, I really believe that we miss out on the celebration of that life. And to me, that's the neatest thing that I've seen through the funerals I've been blessed to participate in is that the people who come and celebrate and appreciate that person's life, it's a it's an incredible experience for them. And it's really not so much about how long you're here. It's a, It's a lot more about what you do while you are, whose life you touch, what kind of love you share with other people. These are the important things that create those memories. And th there's a real dilemma here. Because if you are going to risk loving someone, you're setting yourself up for sorrow when they die. Aren't you? Guaranteed. Unless you die first, of course. I was going to mention that. But then I you're setting you. them up. <laughs> right? <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that before, too. Gosh, 
you know, I love my spouse so much, I just hope that I die first. <laughs> what are you saying? You want uh, her to be the one that's sad? <laughs> you know, because you can't avoid the sorrow if you choose to love and if you choose to be connected with someone in that kind of a meaningful way. And, you know, family relationships are obvious that way. But what about your work associates? What about people in your neighborhood? What are you doing to go out there and really connect with people, with the living people? Well, and I, again, this discussion I don't think deals primarily with the after effects of death. We're, we're trying to deal with coping and helping the living. Mm-hmm. I've always taken the stand in my life that I would like people to see me today as I am tomorrow, as I am from 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to create memories and friendships that will last beyond the grave, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the memories that that we have sometimes we treasure and we value, but I want people to respect what I say, what I do for them. And I think that we all in our occupations want that to happen. We want mm-hmm. to leave a legacy. We want people to know who we are while we're alive. And again, upon passing, I think that there's a certain, in all of our hearts, there's a certain little feeling that we want to be acknowledged for what we've done to make this world better. Mm-hmm. The funeral gives that the opportunity. Now think about this. From as far back as you and I can remember, there have been funerals. Mm-hmm. And That's right. And if we look back even further than that, there was a care and a mode of caring for the deceased. There always has been that standard, that value that has been upheld by society. We're no different. Mm-hmm. The legacy that we leave behind will teach our family, our generation, and our children how we want to be treated, how they are going to be treated, and how their generations will be treated and cared mm-hmm. for. That's so right. we are in the middle of this process, and we're bringing it forward. Mm-hmm. That, and when you mentioned that, I was thinking that every culture that I'm aware of has some way of dealing with this. And, and it may differ from culture to culture and and even from state to state <laughs> or from community to community, how they take care of and 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 watch that transition. I like that word transition because it it, it is a moving from this phase to that one. And we commemorate that and we symbolize it and we do all kinds of things to to acknowledge it. There's a lot of things in our lives that maybe we don't like and that we work with, we deal with. Again, it may not be death. It may be financial affairs. It may mm-hmm. be marital affairs, um, things of this nature. We work through those situations and we make ourselves better because of what we've learned. Mm-hmm. Death should be the same thing. We should understand it. We should come in reverence to it. We should learn of it, let it express itself in our life, and then we should go forward being better because we've experienced it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help those that are in the process of mourning or going through grief, but it should give them an idea that death is no respecter of persons, and it will happen. When Mm -hmm. it does happen, 
if we try to find the better of it, mm-hmm. then sometimes that helps us psychologically, physically, and especially emotionally. I think that's really true. What if, what if all of us could start to take a little different view of death? What if we could start to look at this not as a bad thing, but just as a part of the package? Because it really is, isn't it? To some degree, it is. (laughs) To some degree? (laughs) Like the full degree? (laughs) I like to think there's alternatives. but (laughs) Alternatives to death? (laughs) Ultimately, we come right back to square one. We're going to go there, aren't we? That's right. We really are, and it's just part of our package. And so instead of viewing this as a bad thing, what if we could just look at it as part of the package? And knowing that, let's be smart about how we approach it. Let's be intentional. The, the name of the show is Live on Purpose. Let's, let's have a purpose to handle this thing in a way that makes some sense. Instead of just trying to avoid thinking about it or talking about it or, or whatever it is. I think that there's some steps that you can take. And the first one is to really take a close look at your own paradigm about death. And ask yourself, do I feel some fear about this? Do I feel some anxiety about this? Well, most of the time, Sean, I think it was you that mentioned that the fear really comes from not knowing what what this is about or what to expect. or It's that uncertainty. The uncertainty, exactly. What can you do to manage the uncertainty? Now, there's some, you even offer services for this, don't you? We do, yes. As far as making the plans for the, for the logistical, practical things that will happen once death occurs. And you can, you can do a lot of that thinking beforehand so that when it does happen, you're not stuck with, with all of the, um, just the nuts and bolts of making it happen in addition to all of the emotional stuff that you're feeling. Because you're going to have the emotional reaction. Like I said earlier, if you take the risk of actually loving someone, then that guarantees that you're going to feel some stuff when they pass on. It just guarantees it. Well, and through that love, you can actually express your wishes before you die, whether it be through the funeral director or through a family member. It can be placed mm-hmm. to writing so that it's honored appropriately. And I think that mm-hmm. may be where you're headed. Well, that's, that's part of what I'm thinking is, if this is a certainty, what can you do to leverage the certainty to make a better experience for yourself, for your loved ones, to take care of And pre-planning is one of the ways that we do that. Um, but I'm also thinking, what kinds of discussions are you having in your home or with your families? What kinds of self-talk are you engaging in related to death as it relates to yourself or to loved ones? There's a few other things that we can hit in the last segment. Stick with us. We'll be right back. In the spirit of the education that has helped the principals of Braycon take their business to the next level, Braycon Advisors has presented the Mind Your Own Business Roundtable. This powerful one-day event is designed for those individuals or business owners who are ready to take their own business to the next level. Limited to a small, intimate group, all those who attend the roundtable will receive one-on-one feedback 
from a group of amazing producers whose invaluable input can truly launch your business into the stratosphere. We are committed to every single person in the room leaving inspired and motivated from this powerful day with specific action steps and strategies that you can begin to apply immediately. For more information, visit the website gotindependence.com or contact Corey at 801-961-1382. The number again is 801-961-1382. Hello, Live On Purpose listeners. How many times have we heard Dr. Paul talk about one of his favorite books, The Dog Poop Initiative, a true story by Kirk Weasler? Well, where does he get his books at? He gets them at morebetterbooks.com, and now so can you. Go there today, enjoy free shipping for the holidays, and special holiday bundles where you can buy huge piles of books at huge savings at morebetterbooks.com so you can have a more better life and live that life on purpose. If you have a pile of books you want to read growing faster than the pile of books you have read, Abundant Reading Systems course can help you. You'll learn a skill that allows you to read much more rapidly and you can retain more of what you read. I was actually quite surprised at my original benchmark this morning. To be able to do as well as I did, I almost tripled my benchmarks uh, and increased my comprehension, so I felt good about what I learned. Abundant Reading Systems brings you an all-new single-day speed reading workshop where you'll learn the principles behind effective reading and double your current reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm leaving feeling empowered. Register now for this event by calling 435-669-1206. That's 669-1206. Abundant Reading Systems. Reading at the speed of imagination. 669-1206. Well, just before we took this last break, we were talking a little bit about, I guess you could say leveraging the certainty of death. If you're certain that something is going to occur, then that gives you an advantage. And it gives you an advantage because you can do some pre-thinking, some planning, some arranging. Sean, you shared an example about planning a wedding. People don't think about planning funerals and planning weddings in the same way, but really they're the same the same animal, aren't they? They are a transition in life, yes. Uh, I remember my wife, bless her heart, she uh, planned a wonderful and beautiful wedding for us, and it took months. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when, when we deal with funeral services, it's, mm-hmm. there are some families that will come in weeks, months, even years before the death occurs and will put down on paper the things that they want to see have happen. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a few, and, and again, it depends on the circumstances, but there are a few who will not allow that to happen. And when the death occurs, we're scrambling, we're trying to find everything we can that needs to happen to have the funeral mm-hmm. services appear like they would like them to. Um, I, I guess I look at it and I say, those that are prepared... They have nothing to worry about. It's been taken mm-hmm. care of. It, it does leave a wonderful legacy for the, the family behind. The choices and the decisions are, are no longer a burden for them. They actually can be involved in the process of mourning, 
which is something we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. That's true. The process of mourning is very, very important. The grief process. Mm-hmm. But understand if a family is trying to prepare for a funeral service or a mass or for some kind of other committal service, there's not a lot of time for them to be able to share their emotions and their values, their memories, and to start mm-hmm. the process of acceptance on this death. Mm-hmm. So I, I would anticipate that it, it's probably a smart move if people were to look at their life a little bit and say, because I care, I at least want to share some things with my family. It will help them out. Mm-hmm. It may be something as simple as the type of funeral they want. Who do they want to speak at the funeral? They may even choose to come to the funeral home and to select a casket or other items. Mm-hmm. And that that can be kind of scary to people unless they reframe how they're thinking about this whole thing. You know, I've seen this a lot in my career, uh, and it's into some 25 years now, and I think I've seen a fair amount. I've never seen everything, and Mm. I don't anticipate (laughs) that I will ever see it all. Things change. Stuff will continue to surprise you. (laughs) They definitely will. But I share with you that... uh, These individuals that come in to look at maybe pre-planning or to put things to paper have one thing in common, and that is they have accepted the knowledge or understanding that they're going to die. They may be in perfectly good health. Retirement has come. They know they've got several years ahead of them, but they know it's probably the right thing to do. There are some who are more um, imminent in the nature of death because of maybe cancer treatment or some kind of debilitating mm-hmm. disease that they know will take them uh, much shorter than, than their life expectancy would have been otherwise. So to them, it is an acceptance by virtue of what has happened. Mm-hmm. For someone like you and I, we've talked and we've discussed the fact that we will die. Mm-hmm. You and I both, even the funeral director is going to die. Keeping that in mind, we need to understand and accept it. Once you accept mm-hmm. something, things become so much easier to understand. And that acceptance brings about a surety in the heart. There's a calmness. There's mm-hmm. a peace. Okay, I've accepted this. Now I can move on to the next step. What is the next step? Pre-planning and arranging. Whether mm-hmm. it be your funeral, whether it be your next transition in life. What care center Mm -hmm. am I going to go to? What hospice organization is going to care for me prior to my death? Mm -hmm. What concerns do I have? And thinking that through doesn't necessarily hasten the process. (laughs) You know, some people may be avoiding it because they don't, I don't want to think about it, you know. Well, okay. Just, I like what you said, Sean, because accepting it, accepting it, is going to put you in a position where now you can do something about it. And I'm not saying that you can stop it from happening. I don't believe that you can. But you can do something about it, which will change your quality of life now. That's the way I like to look at it. Darren? You know, on those lines, Sean, one of the things that I think is really, really important about this is that people who do plan... There's a statistic that says that if you buy life insurance, you actually will make more money investing because you bought yourself a license to live. If you plan ahead, if you're prepared for that and you accept it, 
I really believe that you do have a license to live. And I believe that the time that you have, whether that's months or years and years and years, that they will be more full and more productive. The other thought that I had, as I've dealt with some people who really wanted to make sure that those things were addressed, is that they do it out of love. They do it because they want their loved ones to be able to appreciate the time that they have together, to appreciate the value. Uh, I remember one of my favorite books, uh, Tuesdays with Moria. There's a great movie based on the book, but you know this man knows that he's going to die, as we all do. And they gather together before he dies, and they talk about the memories and the love and the legacy. And, you know, that's one of the things that I've seen happen is as people become very real about, well, hey, it's going to happen. And what if we celebrated that now? What would that look like? And how might that help me to better know what I can do when the time does come? You know, Darren, you're, you're aware that I have uh, two dear friends who, who passed away last summer in a plane crash. And... uh it's interesting when you were saying that I was recalling an experience that I had with with these two great men, and uh, many of the listeners will know who they are. It's uh, Les McGuire and and Ray Hooper, and these these guys. Several months prior to their death, and they didn't know they were dying soon. They just knew that they would die, right? And and here's a couple of guys who accepted that. They taught these principles about. Uh, leveraging certainty in your life. They owned as much life insurance as anybody I know. But they had an event where they invited everyone they could think of who had had a significant impact in their life, people for whom they were grateful, they wanted to share that gratitude, and just brought them all together. Had a nice dinner and a program and some speeches. and, And it was just kind of a, gosh, you know, thanks for all you guys have done for us. And looking back on it now, I'm thinking, I am sure glad that they chose to do what you just mentioned, Darren, to to start to acknowledge that now. What if you were to start treating people in your life as if they or you are going to be gone tomorrow? What if you started treating them that way? And what would you do? What would you say differently? How would you live your life differently now? I like what you said about about giving a license to live. In fact, we may we may call this show something like Understanding Death Gives You a License to Live. Do you like that? I like it. And I believe that that's true. I believe that knowledge is power when you apply it appropriately. And when you uh when you take a principle-based approach to dealing with things that you might be more inclined to avoid. Well, avoiding it is not going to make it any better. And I think if you'll accept it, understand it, you know, that really does give a license to live. Darren, you, sh- you shared a an anecdote earlier during the break about a farmhand. Mm-hmm. Will you share that with the listeners? I thought that was good. That's a neat little story. I wish I could remember where it came from, but the owner of a ranch is looking for a ranch hand, and so as he's interviewing people, he interviews this one man, and the, the man comes out, and the owner says, why should I hire you? And the ranch hand says, because I can sleep when the wind blows. And the owner's 
doesn't understand what he's talking about, but he's impressed enough by this man and decides to hire him. And so he hires him. This guy goes to work, and, and sure enough, one night the storm comes as, as it's inevitable. It's kind of like death. It will happen. And the owner rushes out to make sure that the livestock's in, in the corral and make sure that the barn doors are closed and that everything's okay. And as he's going through all of this, he, he eventually ends up in the bunkhouse, and here's this ranch hand that he's hired, and he's just sound asleep. And as the owner closes the door, he realizes exactly what he meant, that this man can sleep when the wind blows because he's prepared, because he knows, hey, this will come. It is inevitable that the storm will come. But because he was prepared and because he was mindful and took the necessary precautions to make those arrangements, everything was fine and he could sleep when the wind blew. I think preparation is what eliminates fear. Definitely. Preparation and understanding, if you can understand it. Now, I know that there's a lot of things we haven't covered in fact, I don't know how you can cover it all in an hour. You, you can't, obviously, because this is such a complicated, such a, uh, an integrated part of our life as human beings. And uh, if nothing else, though, I hope that our discussion today has helped you to take a little different look, maybe a little different perspective on this thing that we call death and realize that there are some things that you can do about it. And avoiding it is not one of those things that tends to be very helpful. So uh, it won't kill you to talk about death. It will help if you get if you get some perspective and some understanding and, and go access the resources that might help you to do that. We mentioned the documentary on PBS, a frontline program called The Undertaking. And my experience with that so far is that it's very informative and helps you to start thinking a little bit and and not avoiding it. There's people like Sean Wierenski in this world who deal with this every day, day in and day out. What a huge undertaking that is. That's why we call them undertakers. And they create huge value. The value that right. comes from the services that Sean and people like Sean provide are huge. And I think often we overlook that. If you want to contact Sean... Uh, What's the best way to get a hold of you, Sean? To go through your website? The website probably would be the best, and that's okay. uh, www.warenski, W-A-R-E-N-S-K-I.com. Warenski.com. And uh, there's a way that they can send you an email or get contact information if they have questions specifically for you. That's correct. Yeah. There's all kinds of other resources, though. And don't, don't stay stuck, people. You know, do whatever it takes. Get some some coaching, if that helps, or counseling to address anything that might be holding you up from living the life that you love. This will give you a license to live. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Thank you. And we'll catch you again next time on Live on Purpose Radio.